West Bloomfield crack versus inner city Detroit crack. Which one are you going for? All right, so we're going to get back into the photography here? Oh, I'm trying. You want to debate everything this morning. You're like my, like my little brother who, first thing he'd say when you get up in the morning, I got up before you. And he'd be like, first of all, you'd be like, who cares? And he'd go, oh, I care. I did. I got, I've been up for hours. Like, are you, what's wrong with you? <laughs> well, just so you know, I've been up for hours. <laughs> I got up before you. <laughs> Mary, Mary, why you bugging that I was perfect? I like it. Anyway, there are good people anyway, out there. Yeah, there's yeah. a few. It's there's a, one or um, two. They're not scuba diving. With it's us. kind of a... <laughs> The Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Still, uh, I'm still working on this long snorkel. I bludgeoned him with a split fin. You can, you can, you can do it. You can do it. Well, hey, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. This is oh, we got a couple things we got to start off with. So first off, welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast. This is a, a officially the new year of the Great Dive Podcast. This is our anniversary episode which anniversary is this this is like the um the first anniversary is the i know but is what is it like 10? it's not so it's like 10 I don't or think something it's 10 10 you got to work your way up to 10's like 11 i think this is like um dirt dirt yeah <laughs> soil dirt, dirt anniversary Very base how about silt this is the silt, silt anniversary the silt anniversary <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's magical well, this is the this is one year in the making. So, um, fifty two episodes we've put out. This is episode fifty three. We've put out something for you guys every single week for this whole entire year. I can't believe a year went by. That it did go quick. by pretty quick, didn't it? Yeah, pretty amazing. It seems like we were just talking about the concept of getting it going, and and that took about and, six months, and didn't he, it? Yeah, and then here we are, a, a year into this. I, I'm totally amazed that, that you and I had the tenacity to stick with it and really put something I out. I think we've week. always had tenacity, and, and uh, especially if it's something cool that we want to do or good that we want to do. But it's uh, well, I mean, for all the, I think for all the years of, of diving together and and talking just ridiculous stories of these crazy. At least ideas other people can hear our ridiculous of, of, these, of these crazy <laughs> ideas that we've had for. Some sort of a, a show like this. Yeah, and we've been holding back a lot. I think we should tell people. We've held back a lot because we didn't want to scare people away. But as we get more and more people in our listening base, I think we can just, you know, well, I think like loosen not, up not, on the reins yeah, there, brother. Well, well, now that people are kind of 
get our humor. Yes. And know that a lot of the stuff that we go rambling on is, is, said, is said in jest, you know, a little bit. Right. We're, we're having and we're a, politically we're having, correct a yeah, lot of we're, times. We're having a good time. Against my... But we're, we're still trying to put out uh, an educational product at the end of the day and, and make people better divers. But realizing, hey, if you're not having fun along the way. Um, maybe you should take up snorkeling, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe that's why we're we got a we've got a new show starting up uh, on, a, on a different <laughs> the great system. snorkel podcast. <laughs> exactly, we discuss snorkel sizes, types, and colors. How did that snorkel save your life, James? Well, I've started wearing it there on I the was. right side of my head instead of the left. <laughs> Ooh, good move. That's called SIR snorkeling it right. Did you get your uh, snorkel instructor rating yet? Um, I'm, I'm master still, snorkeling instructor rating. I'm still uh, I'm still working on this long snorkel. <laughs> I bet you are. So in uh, in this one year anniversary, we do want to say thank you to the Patreon members. A couple bucks that we're getting uh, every month is uh, is making it so that we can this year do some more fun stuff with you guys. So we're gonna have some cool videos that we're gonna put up on the Patreon page. So for Patreon subscribers. Uh, we're gonna have an extra little treat for you every uh, couple of weeks. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta say that this Patreon video thing is gonna be awesome. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be more <laughs> I mean, fun than if anything. We, if we can pull off the yeah. ideas we're doing, we're gonna, we're gonna have a blast with it. I don't want the to mislead any of the listeners though, and make them believe like, oh, this is gonna, it's gonna be, you know, like some of the ridiculousness I see in other Patreon people or people that want money to, so you can see an extra video where they're going to try to teach you something we're not going to do anything like that that's that's ridiculous ours is going to be strictly entertaining <laughs> i'm kidding of course we're, I, we'll, we'll probably gonna, throw some instructional, we'll throw some stuff, instructional in stuff in there too yeah Semi, it's going to be it's uh, gonna useful be a, information right it's going to be the show amplified uncensored oh and uh um, alone and in video form so you get the visual pleasure as well it's the uh, the full immersion. And if you have 4K and surround sound, that's what I suggest. Something that you gather the whole family around and, and make them and make them watch. It's like these guys are in our family room. <laughs> Call the police. <laughs> hey, listen. If you haven't taken the time to give us a rating and a review on iTunes, oh, or for f**k's sake! <laughs> what? 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 Please, people. I'm just so uh, every damn episode we have to. Get a plead, <laughs> a plea, I should say, a pleading for these ratings and reviews. Just it's please. important. It's I important. get it, but you know, penny for your thoughts. Seriously, just go rate and review us on iTunes and the rest of the podcast rating sites, SoundCloud. Whatever, we're also on a, a couple other ones. Uh, wherever we, wherever, whatever you're listening to us on, just go throw uh, a quick five star rating. These guys are awesome. That's all you got to do. And uh, I promise James will stop asking. <laughs> then what am I going to say on every episode? <laughs> no, no, you're still going to say it. <laughs> oh, and what I also wanted to say was a big thank you to everyone around the world who's been listening to the show. Ahead of schedule, we broke the 15,000 oh, listen yes. mark. Nice, Jamesy. You know, so, you know, we, we, we broke that 10,000 mark at the beginning of the year. You know, we were pretty excited about it, and we were thinking, well, maybe, maybe, just maybe, we might hit that fifteen thousand mark before the one year. I, and it was a stretch. I didn't think we'd be able to pull it off, but we did. Like so, in in those in these last three months, we uh, five thousand listens. We've been growing every single month. All you guys, we really, really appreciate it. 
Australia, Canada, U.S. are definitely our big hot spots. So thanks to all you guys listening out there. In particular, uh, Sid- like right now, like, uh, yeah, Sydney, Sydney, Australia. We got a lot of listeners in Sydney that are listening to the show. We got a big... Uh, it's Australian for diving, mate. Crikey, there's a lot of people Crikey. listening in Sydney. Thanks, everybody over there. <laughs> I hope we did not just alienate every Australian listener with our oh, listen, incredible... You know, Incredible you know, accents. They're probably know, like they make accents. fun of us. They make fun of us Americans. Of course, they got to have yeah. some American. Oh yeah, funny yeah, little yeah. American sayings they say to make fun of us. I'm sure Australians. Uh, yeah, 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 good people. Okay, except for that Vegemite. <laughs> Did you ever try that? No, you don't want to try that. So we got a bunch of people in Anchorage, Alaska. Is a is a, is a top listening uh, area right now. So we got a bunch of Alaskans. Did you say topless? Up- Top, top, li- listen top, listen, top listeners. Oh, top listening. I'm sorry. And uh, York, Pennsylvania right now is uh, rocking down there in old Pennsylvania listening to us. So uh, big thanks to all, all you guys out there. We're big in Amish country, I've, I've heard through the grapevine. It's all word of mouth. Well, you know, if you go to um, Dutch Springs Quarry, you'll see uh, there's a couple of uh, horse-drawn carriages with, you know, diver flags. Dive flags? On their, on their back bumper. Yes. It's pretty cool. We need to get a few of the TGDP decals out. To yes, we do. We do. My grandparents lived up in Mile, and they lived there for like 40 years after they retired. Well, so maybe they, well, they had property there since they were in their 20s or 30s, and then they retired up there. Anyway, they knew the Amish people very well, loved the Amish people. I don't know if you you know anything about Mile since you you got some you know your family yeah. out there. So you know they used to have an X-rated drive-in there. Did they really? Yes, it was I a drive-in know, theater. I didn't know that. It was X-rated, and the big you know the the town everybody knows each other that lives there kind of thing. But like the uh, the church in town, the pastor got caught at the X-rated drive-in. <laughs> Classic, and it was the big talk of the town. You know. But my my grandma used to, you know, she was funny. She's like, "What's wrong with dad? He's he's human being, you know." <laughs> little old granny, it's an awesome lady. Anyway, okay, so so last week uh, we got back into some photography, which was great because we had a lot of requests. Uh, yeah, much yeah. requested uh, back into photography, and we got talking about lighting quite a bit, right? And uh, we wanted to we wanted to hit a little bit more about uh, strobes. We got some more questions about strobe lighting we're going to follow along with an article and it's a great article uh that details several of the different strobes out there especially the new ones which i'm going to try to talk semi-intelligently about however the strobes i use are not new in particular one of our listeners mike k mentioned uh in a recent yeah i saw that facebook post saying uh give me some tips next week and how he should set up all this gear these new uh video lights and strobes that he picked up so yeah, in um, in Diver Magazine out of Canada, one of our favorites, back in uh, volume 42, number seven, there was a great article that, that we had looked at for a while written by Michelle Gilbert and Danielle Allery. Actually, it's probably Michelle Gilbert and Danielle Allery. And they do a, um, they do a photo article in every episode they're like the resident a couple of the resident photo pros in diver yeah. magazine i always have something in the back of the back of the magazine and this particular article is let there be light and it's all about these different strobes and 
at the end of it, they, they give a very detailed, full digital strobe roundup summary chart that goes through all of these different strobes in the industry, their guide number, power level, color temperature, beam angles, battery types, flashes per charge, recycle time, automatic exposure, syncing, focusing, depth rating, I mean, everything. Real, yeah. really detailed little chart you can go through nice. that really help pinpoint what you're looking for out of a strobe. Yeah, I briefly uh, perused that article. Very good. Very nice. Kudos again to I, I love when we get good, pertinent articles. That's, you know. that's useful. And it's not just a, a, a marketing Thank you. ploy that's my for, thing, yeah. you know, AO, Icolite, and CNC, and Olympus all yeah. got full-page ads. Yes. We, we got to promote those three <laughs> strobes. You know, this yeah. is just a really good, very clean, concise, and informative general article giving you something that you could actually take away and get good information from. So they start out by saying, in the 1980s, life was simple. Cars had AM, FM radios instead of touchscreen interfaces. TVs did not tune to 100 channels. And a dive computer was made up of a watch and a plastic table. Only a handful of companies offered camera housings. The other option being the ubiquitous Nikonis. And 10 fingers were enough to count the number of strobes on the market. Today, digital imaging means that camera models pop up like spawning corals and housing offerings follow suit. Fortunately, the underwater strobe world remains fairly simple. We were talking about this earlier about taking photos even, you know, a, a decade ago was a completely different game with with with, uh, with the lighting and the strobing, especially, you know, 15, 20 years ago when it was back on film. And the strobes were a completely different game, especially if you're trying to shoot in manual. I mean, everybody was down underwater with external light meters trying to figure out, uh, you know, what they needed that strobe to do and put out power-wise. Whereas now with everything going digital, we got a lot more of the TTL through the lens. And the other side of that, you did still have light meters in your lens, you know, in your eyepiece viewer or at least a light meter in the camera. What you didn't have was basically unlimited photos. So you can go and experiment. You can say, oh, the, you don't really need, you know, like in the old days, you had to have that little chart with your guide number, your f-stop, your distance to your subject, etc. And that would give you a setting to use. A lot of these strobes are, are through the lens, TTL, meaning the camera's going to adjust the power and the, the housing will adjust the power. There, The technology is there to... Um, help you get the correct exposure. The only thing is that, you know, that TTL, again, is like an automatic setting in the sense of the camera is is telling you what it thinks you want. You know, I'm a full manual guy, so I use manual settings on my, my strobes as well as manual settings on my camera because I want full control. And that's come after years of years you know, of years of experience with cameras practice, yeah. yeah that being said you don't need years of experience you can go down and take you can go ahead and take 2000 pictures you know just make sure you're taking note of what you're doing so you can make your proper adjustments you know like we've said in the past don't make too many parameter adjustments at once you know little at a time yeah, so you you'll, know you'll that see how it so reacts. you know what the changes are doing that is one of the biggest changes in photography underwater is you have a, a card with thousands of photos you can put on it and it doesn't cost anything. You can just delete it if you don't like it. If you do like it, you can work with it post, meaning in, in the processing on your uh, computer. 
and you can fix it sometimes if it's not exactly what you want. Ideally, you're you're shooting exactly what you want. Ideally, ideally, that's in uh, you know this perfect world that that I live in in my mind. But uh, anyway, you know when I look at a newer strobe, its reliability is up in the top couple of characteristics that I'm looking for. Reliability is it going to fire? Is it going to fire fast? So like I don't want to sit there and have to wait seven seconds. Yeah, yeah. So, so let's go. Guns. Let's yeah. go through this uh, this article because they they go through some really good stuff here. So they mentioned that only one company manufactures strobes in America. Indianapolis-based Icolite. Located in New Jersey, Sea Life manufactures its strobes in Asia. Subtronic, Seacam, and Retra craft aluminum units in Germany, Austria, and Slovenia, respectively. CNC, Inon, and Olympus hail from Japan, while iTorch is a Canadian product. And these, these are the basically the strobes available on the market today. So they talk about their approach of gathering information from the respected manufacturer's literature. Specifications must be taken with a grain of salt, especially the guide number that is but an indication of the strobe power. Manufacturers either state the guide number in meters or feet at 100 ISO. In practice, you divide the guide number by the strobe subject distance to estimate the proper aperture at a given ISO. There you go. Yeah, the guide number overall is a power number. It's like, oh, that's how powerful it is. Uh, and I think they got that across. It's one of the things you look at when you're purchasing a strobe. And usually with more power, the higher dollar sign next to it. They mentioned that most manufacturers publish a surface guide number. It makes sense since the w- types of water in which the measurement is made could affect the underwater guide number. Right. Very good. So you got to try to find something with a... Uh, so everybody's on the same playing field when they're doing these measurements it's just like the lumens in in lighting you know in lights you go and you see 10,000 lumens from one manufacturer and 10,000 lumens from the other manufacturer and then you come to realize well lumens measurement is you'd like to believe it's just one way to measure it but it's it's a little wacky and I don't even I mean I'm not going to go into it because it's it's wacky and I I usually just like to go into a dark room with it with two lights, well, same give, it the old, give it the old eyeball on. test, yeah, yeah. Because at the end of the day, isn't that what it's about? It's sure, how it's going to look to your eyes, yeah. Because I mean, those it, numbers it, don't translate into a photo. Well, yeah, and, and especially now when when lumens are going just the lumens hellfire, are control. They, hellfire they, lumens, hellfire lumens. That's the that, next. That's, a, that's the name of my band. <laughs> Hellfire Lumens. It's, uh, We're playing it's, at the Token Lounge tonight. It is. Um, it's speed metal show tunes. <laughs> speed metal show tunes. Hellfire Lumens live. One, One night only. <laughs> because you will not ask them to play again. <laughs> Hellfire Lumens. Coming at you live. Now, depending on the published data, they divided the surface guide number by three to estimate the underwater value or multiplied the underwater figure by three to calculate the surface equivalent. This provides an optimistic number, but should be sufficient for a basic comparison. Just to, just to try to just try yeah. to keep everything on par and, and, yeah. and give a equal value. Yeah, at least you know they're all fruit. They might not all be apples and apples. They're all apples and oranges and bananas, though. Correct, right? Because if if Cheers. one if one guy's no uh, kiwi. There's you no know, kiwis. It, well, if, we'll take kiwis. I love those Australians, yeah. New Zealanders. Those are Zealanders. Yes. Well, they're close to us. We'll take. Kiwis. I mean, if you're on Jupiter. 
Americans and Australians are pretty close together. You know, oh, yeah, we're buddies. On, the Jupiterians are like these. It's all, uh, it's all depends on how close you are. Yes. Determining how, how close mm-hmm. they are. But if you're on Uranus, it's completely different. <laughs> Those guys are. <laughs> uh, um, okay, sorry. You brought up Jupiter. I brought up Uranus. <laughs> that was a joke I was trying to remember. But never mind. Uh, never mind. Once um, you bring up planets. No, what I'm saying is with all the different ways of measuring mm-hmm. lumens, right? Mm-hmm. One guy's five lumens can be more powerful than somebody else's 5,000 lumens exactly. based on how they're measuring the lumens. So what they're trying to do here is put it, give us some sort of an equivalent so you don't have to be worried about all that technical jargon and marketing in the description of how, how powerful their product right. is. Right. You know, the other thing should be said about lighting is you can change that rating, that lumen rating, and probably the guide rating with your reflector and the way your reflector is shaped and the shininess of it. And I know there's a number that indicates that. You can change that rating if they're measuring your lumen rating in the center versus the peripheral. You know, where are they measuring it from? Lighting isn't just like, it's just not that straightforward, this this measurement thing. And maybe if that's the only thing we get across with our review of this article, and like I said, the only real way to know the power and, and the result of using those lights is to go use it and go see it somewhere. They mentioned don't agonize over small differences. But why? <laughs> what is 0.5 more? The measurements are not standardized, and other considerations also come into play when selecting a strobe. There you go. So I like this article. I like people who agree with me. If you disagree with me, I hate your guts. No. <laughs> I've noticed that. On, on the, <laughs> I, I so don't. So now, now we've we've figured out the the criteria for a good article we review and a bad article. <laughs> we agree with him. Therefore, he shall live. <laughs> Death to the disagreeers. All right. So they go through three categories and mention strobes basically come in three. These flavors. five categories. <laughs> Strobes basically come in three flavors. Small units, like the Icolite DS51 or CNC YS01. Larger, more powerful ones, such as the DS160-161. Ccam's C-Flash 100-150. And a mid-sized option. Smaller units work well for macro photography, whereas larger strobes provide the power needed for wide-angle images. The latter work in macro, but their size becomes a liability in close quarters. Yeah, they get big. I got some big-ass strobes. That's going to be the title of my autobiography. (laughs) I got some big-ass strobes. I was in a band called Hellfire Lumens, and uh, I had some big-ass strobes. (laughs) Hence the name of my band. Well, again, so many new photographers are coming in, and they want it to be easy. They want the one strobe to do it all. You know what else they want? They don't want to spend any money. Right. They want a, a little camera and that's cheap, and they want to pull off some good photos. And uh, I will say this, Jamesy. The quality of the photo you can get from a cheap little camera has increased. It's getting it's Yes, getting yes. In my humble opinion and in my experience, you know, letting the camera do everything for you, you're an asshole. <laughs> <a-hole. laughs> <laughs> Let me rephrase that. You well, know, it was it was a good first year. I tried to I try to teach these you know I try to teach a photographer, new photographers wanting to do underwater photography. 
I try to teach them a thorough course that they'll be able to go underwater and pull off a nice shot. So I try to teach photography right off the bat. So do you know how a camera works? Do you know the parameters, the, the triangle, you know, ISO and aperture and shutter speed, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people are like, ah, I don't want to hear all that. Which button do I press? What do I aim at? What do I buy? And I need to buy it cheap. How do I? So how do I get the, these things? They yeah, want they, want to know, is, they want to know how do I get the picture of the seahorse with the manta ray in the background yeah. right now? Yeah, sir, you're at the quarry. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing. Well, I just want you know when they ask me all those questions, how do I get all this? And I say, well, first of all, what color is the sky in the world you live in? Because it's like anything worthwhile. You need to put time in, and you're going to have to put some money on equipment. And, and when I say worthwhile, I mean worthwhile in scuba diving. You have to put a little bit of money into it. You have to invest something into it, and you have to invest time in it, and you have to learn what you're doing. And if it was easy, everybody would be pulling off these masterpieces underwater. It's not that easy. Well, it's because you, you flip open a, a typical magazine, and you start looking through, and yeah. there's ads for this camera with this strobe, this simple little... Nine hundred ninety nine dollar package, and they got the a beautiful, beautiful photo. photos yeah. to go with it. And they, they you mean they sell you on the idea that you that that was taken with that? You mean advertising would lie to me and paint a false picture of reality? Because they know they want what? the quick they they want the quick, quick buck. Fix, yeah. They want that quick dollar of of you who you don't want to take the time, you don't want to put the practice in, you don't want to spend the money. You're willing to spend some money to get something, and. You're going you're gonna to believe the lie that you're going to pull off of well, these yeah. amazing shots with this yeah. basic little unit. And that's not the case. Well, I liken it to hookers. Okay, so do you want a cheap hooker? Take a chance. Might be fun. I don't know. But you take a chance. Diseases. Who knows what's going to happen. And this memory, and it's cheap. It's cheap. There's no art to it. Go get that high price chick. Get her. You will can never. We, can we do something? It. Can we do something better than, than hookers? You know, let's let's not do something so okay. lewd. How uh, about drugs? Drugs. So do you want that? You want some cheap heroin? <laughs> you know, you can get your crack from down in the ghetto, or you can go up to the high-priced neighborhood and get the crack. Two different levels of crack. Are they both crack? Well, yeah, they're both crack. One's going to yield a different experience. West Bloomfield crack versus inner city Detroit crack. Which one are you going for? And I'm using crack in the, in delete, the sense this, of... <laughs> delete this whole show actually. Let's start all over. Okay. Back to reality. Yes. I mean the overall thing we're trying to say is do you need to spend a lot of money to get a good photo? Probably not. You can probably get by with something less expensive. Eventually you'll get a good photo after you learn to use that camera and you know everybody gets lucky. Everybody gets lucky. Even, you know, yeah, but what we were on was the one strobe for everything versus what they're what they're talking about here is there's the big powerful strobes that if you're gonna if you really want to light up like a wide a wide angle and get some power out there you're gonna need that but on the on, on the uh, on that other strobe. photo right when you're trying to take the little picture that little close up mm -hmm. macro shot it's too much light now you can turn that down it's not it that up. it's too much so light it's, it's too big yeah yeah, it's yeah much, on both it's, of those it's you can turn it down to get the right amount of power going in there but it's too big and obnoxious of a size can be. to be able mm -hmm. to get into some of those small places well it can be yes yeah mm -hmm. yeah for sure it can be the solution to that is you carry two types of lights and again, you you start to specialize in your photography, and that's what that's what's going to separate a diver with a camera that wants to get a shot versus an underwater photographer that's going down right. with the shot in mind that they're going to come back with.
Yeah, and they're practiced, and they they brought the right tool for the job they're going after, right? Uh, that's the difference. That all that being said, I have uh, small ones and large ones, and depending on what I need to do or what I'm looking to do, I'll, I'll carry one or the other. Compact cameras only sync with optical cables. In the case of DSLRs, both options are open and the choice hinges on the sink bulkhead of the housing and the exposure mode afforded by the strobe versus its connection. What they're saying is some of the strobes fire via it's almost a slave strobe to your little on-camera flash. flash. right? Right. So like on a lot of the little point and shoots, you got the little flash on it, and it does not have an attachment on the camera to hook up a, an external strobe. So what it does is it takes a little fiber optic cable and puts it near where that on-camera flash is going to fire. So when it fires, the light travels up that little fiber optic cable and goes to a sensor on your strobe, your external strobe, and fires it. So that's what's triggering that, that kind yeah, of strobe. Yeah, it's almost a like a manual relay yeah. of, of the light firing the sensor yeah. versus the electrical. Sending the electrical signal, the actual electrical signal from the camera via a copper cord to your strobe and firing your strobe separately. And that kind of cord will allow a TTL, depending on your housing and the camera you have and the strobes you have, will allow it through the lens, meaning the camera will be able to tell the strobe what power level to use. When shopping for a strobe, always inquire about the type of connection and exposure modes afforded by your system. Manual exposure is usually possible with any type of connection. TTL being more complicated, it is necessary to perform due diligence when selecting a unit. Yeah, the TTL thing, uh, there's circuitry and probably microprocessing boards and whatnot that have to talk to each other from the strobe to the camera. And in between that, getting to the camera, it has to go into your camera housing, and there might be a little circuitry you know, within the housing before it gets to the camera. Anyway, the long story short is the two have to talk to each other, so they have to speak the same language. So a lot of times, you're not going to get a TTL ability out of it, you know, unless you buy a certain housing and a certain strobe that are compatible with, with each other to get that TTL. Like I say, uh, there are a lot of photographers that use TTL. I don't use TTL. Uh, I have used it. It just didn't turn out exactly what I was looking for much of the time, so I don't use it very often. But some people swear by it. Okay, so let's uh, move on to color temperature. Color temperature also comes into play when you make a choice. Small units output hovers around 5,500K. Okay, so in case you don't know, the K is a Kelvin. And that's a temperature rating, and it has to do with white balance. In other words, what the sensor sees is white, which affects, it basically affects all the colors, but you'll really notice it in your oranges and reds. Right, and they say that 5500K is perfect for macro. Large wide-angle strobes tend to be on the warmer side at around 4800K. Right? So as that wider angle is blowing out a much bigger area, you need that warmth in the shot, whereas because of the, the higher K on the macro... There's so much light coming into a small area. You want the cooler light. Yeah, all that being said, this is all adjustable in post if you're using a format of digital photography called uh, raw imaging. So you use a raw image instead of a JPEG or any of the other formats. You can use, you use a raw image. And raw allow, is just a raw basic data of the photo, and you can go in and manually adjust your color temperature. 
Ideally, you want to shoot it, you want to do everything in camera. In other words, you want to get the shot out of the camera that you had, that you wanted, you know, and you had in your mind. But if you shoot in raw, the thing like color temperature is not an issue. You can always go back and adjust the white balance, meaning that, that K number. That right, but it just creates a lot more post-production work. It's not a lot more. It's one slider. It's no big deal. It's not really a big deal. It really isn't, and that's why I shoot in RAW, and most professional, if not all professional digital users, shoot in RAW. I haven't heard any go, no, I prefer JPEG, uh, you know, or anything like that. Most right. every, everyone I've ever talked to or everyone I know, you shoot in RAW because it allows you that latitude. Okay, I can go into just white balance, in other words, that K number, in post. And so, you know, just as a tip, you know, like we'll go to a place like, go to Springville Pond or Union Lake. You go in there, that's green water. And when you take a photo, it's it's a greeny yellow, right? Now you can go in there and take that slider and just cool it off. Meaning, cool it off and make it look like it's a nice, pretty turquoise blue. Yeah, you can just change it to exactly what you're looking for. The only thing is it changes everything, so it might take away your skin tones. That's where you've got to you know, find that perfect balance. I personally am not a big fan of green water photos. I'll take it and I'll move it over to the blue and aqua. More pleasing, aesthetically. It's not necessarily what was down there, but nobody wants to see that. Nobody wants to see that. <laughs> that green, greeny mm. yellow. So the thing is, you know, and I hate to burst anybody's bubble, but most every photographer is doing that to a certain extent. They're, they're going to manually adjust that white balance to get their desired photo. Sometimes it is perfectly blue. It's beautiful. So, yeah, you don't have to do anything. A lot of times, nope. So the, the latter means more red in the light beam, which is what you need when shooting with a fisheye or a rectilinear wide-angle lens. Sure. Okay, just to clarify, fisheye versus rectilinear wide angle. They're both you know, wide angle, meaning that angle of view is large. Rectilinear gives you, as it probably sounds to you, a less distorted photograph versus a fisheye. You know how a fisheye is? It's like the center of the, the photo is very large, like you're right in it. And as you go to the outside edges of the photo, it starts to uh, spread out and get like uh, dispersed real A little bit wide, distorted. Yeah, right, right, distorted. That allows you to have a super wide angle, but it's a distorted super wide angle, uh, which is cool. I mean, sometimes it, uh, it yeah, affords for a great, cool picture, you know, um, versus that rectilinear, which is trying to keep the distortion to a minimum and still keep a, a wide angle lens. And a lot of times, you know, the water messes with all that stuff, too. Can't go into it too much. Just know that uh, fisheye versus rectilinear has to do with the distortion amount, and a fisheye lens is going to be distorted in this, with the center being very large and the peripheral being spread out and rectilinear is pretty tries to stay as undistorted as possible okay moving on to power many think that the most powerful strobe always produces better pictures which is not necessarily the case raw power does not mean much you should aim for quality lighting and this is why the softness of the actual light beam and diffusers play an important role adding a diffuser may widen the light beam or more importantly spread the light in a more even fashion. Even and soft. Yeah, it's quality over quantity when it comes to light. It's quality of light. You know, that's why you, you have the golden hour. Do you know what golden hour is no. in photography? Set hour, you know, like half oh, hour before yeah, sunset, yeah. half hour after, that, before sunset and sunrise. The light is very soft. The sun is low in the sky and it's warm. That's quality. That's That lighting is beautiful to take photos with. It's not harsh. The harsh lighting gives harsh shadows, like very delineated shadows. Like, you know, you see around the eyes and stuff when you're shooting people. It's hard to shoot good, beautiful portrait in harsh lighting. 
like that, where the shadows are just delineated. If there's going to be shadows, you want them spread evenly. That's where you, you get quality of light. And that's what they're talking about, dispersing it with uh, any number of diffusers you can use. As you will see, the difference between a small and large strobe often results in a single f-stop value. However, the large strobe usually provides wider coverage, spreading the light more evenly. So you get a real powerful strobe. It's all in the middle. It's harsh and in the middle. You need to spread it out. That's the whole key with it. So reflector, the reflector of the strobe has something to do with it, and that's what I was getting at. You can change all those numbers by using different reflectors and, of course, a diffuser on it. You may have that same initial light, the same mechanical light source, but the product of that light source can be manipulated to show different numbers and get different effects. So, like, if you're going to sell it, you're going, I'm... I want to be able to put 15,000 lumens on the outside of this video light, right? Boom, on the, on the package. I'll put a ref very tiny reflector in the middle and just measure right in the center. Well, yeah, it's 15,000 lumens right there in the middle, and the peripheral is nothing. Do you, what can you do with a light like that? Not much. It's good for signaling, you know, as a cave diver or whatnot, but it's not good for lighting up an image where you want even light dispersed beautifully. You know, you want soft, even light across the subject. Which is the issue that you're, you're getting into with a lot of uh, the guys shooting video right now, with especially all these GoPros, which which has a, such a wide angle field of view on those GoPros, and they pick up one video light. Well, I mean, the the video light's putting out a, a sixty degree spread on a on a lens that's capturing one hundred and seventy degrees. You know, it doesn't need a couple. You're, you're going like to need four a couple. of those. <laughs> right, exactly. And to to the, light up that GoPro yeah. GoPro field of view. You got to watch out where you overlap them because. And light doesn't, like, two lights overlap doesn't mean you get double the lighting. It's, like, exponential. It's an exponential logarithm kind of thing, algorithm. Just know that lighting is not just that Light doesn't work that simple. It, it's not a It's a, it's a complicated uh, yes. game, right? It's a... Yeah, and you got to play with it, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's really the uh, only way. I mean, it's like anything else in diving. If, if you want just the to buy the quick, perfect fix... It might work in one place, but to really get it, it's going to take time. It's going to take patience. It's going to take some work and practice and and it's art and doing it. It's the reward comes with the work. You get out of it what you put into it. And if you think you can just pick up a camera and pull off some incredible shots the first time, hey, if you can, I think you got lucky. But when you enter this this arena, don't believe that it's that simple. There's a lot of people that do it, and they get a lot of accolades. Because the other people that do it know how difficult it is. So keep that in mind. And you got to learn. you got to practice. Okay. Uh, power sources. Double-A uh, batteries or power packs. Your type of diving, travel, and photography dictates what kind of power source you need. Inexpensive double-A rechargeables are found almost everywhere. Dedicated power packs means traveling with heavy spares. Keep that in mind when you're making your final choice. Bravo. Yes, because that's one of the reasons I choose what I choose is I have, uh, I'm a double A man and I use rechargeable double A's quite a bit, but I don't want to travel with an extra four pounds. I'm planning for this Madagascar trip. I've got 44 pounds because I'm traveling in country. That's just the limit traveling in country. So I know I'm not going to bring more than that. What am I going to do with the other stuff when I'm not traveling? So I'm going, okay, I do want to go diving, and I do want to take some photos. need to get the most Yeah, so it. taking a whole Pelican case full of rechargeable <laughs> NICAD batteries. Right. The rechargeable nickel metal hydride that comes with a lot of these upper-end strobes, that's poundage. And if I can get in country and buy it there, I'm better off. All the better, yeah. Right. 
So Finally, strobes tend to be temperamental and need service. Make sure that turnaround time is not calculated in months. Talk to your vendor and ask about maintenance <laughs> and repairs as this may be a deciding factor in your selection. And then uh, they put us on to the, the next page, which is a really nice, informative chart. Now he's talking uh, about well, turnaround. Not to, I hate to interrupt you again. You mentioned turnaround time. He's talking about repair turnaround time. Right. <laughs> I hate to go into like uh, any kind of uh, transaction with money. I'm buying something and just going, yeah, this is going to be broken. How long will it take to get it back? <laughs> I'm like, uh, well, that's that's rough. I thought he was going to talk about recycle time, and recycle time to me is important. And what that is is how long does it take for that that strobe to recharge, ready to fire again? Uh, and that to me is pretty important. That's important in, on surface strobes, and I think it's important underwater too because you don't want to be sitting there. You've got your seahorse posing. Your pygmy seahorse is like, I got, I got cattle I got, to range. I got, I got, range. I got places I gotta, to be. I got I to round up these cattle, y'all. So that pygmy seahorse is not going to pose his ass off for very long. So you can't sit there and go, hold on, it's the strobe. It's got to recycle. You, you want a strobe that recycles pretty fast. Right, and they go through that in the chart. And you're going to pay for that, though, too. Yeah, they go and they go through that in the chart uh, on the differences of uh, recycle times between all these different uh, right. Icolites and mm-hmm. nylons and retras and C cams and CNC, all these different okay. strobes. Good. Yeah, well done. It's a it's a well done little uh, summary at the end. Yeah, I like that article, especially if you're getting into it and you haven't got a lot of experience with the purchasing of strobes, because in the beginning you don't know what your needs are. <laughs> you know, I think that's a big thing. You don't know what you don't know. You gotta know and do under underwater photography in order to be able to know what you want out of underwater photography. Also in the magazine, and I, we should point out, maybe we'll talk about this too, is an article in the next page by Alex Mustard, who's a very uh, well-known underwater photographer. And he's talking about uh, one of his books called The Underwater Photography Masterclass, which I've had for, for a little while. Great book, very uh, broad and encompassing. And gives a lot of examples, shows a lot of his photography, what he did, and how he got that shot. And re- you'll see some of his work in there. It's really cool stuff. Nice guy, yeah. doctor. I believe he's Doctor Alex Mustard. Nice little, mistaken. nice little plug for Doctor Mustard in the library with a <laughs> with the candlestick. Oh, the mike with the pipe wrench. Pipe, wrench. pipe wrench. Can you remember though? You got the candlestick. You got the rope. You got the the knife. Uh, the knife. The gun. And of course, the wrench. The pipe wrench. The gun. What else? There's something else, isn't there? It's been a long time a since I played Clue. Yeah, and a snorkel. snorkel. And a snorkel. We're going to have uh, the Great Dive Podcast Clue. Clue it's edition. <laughs> Clue, the Great Jacques, Dive Podcast edition. Jacques-Yves Cousteau in the, in the, the uh, in forward cabin, in the cubby, in the, cutty, cutty cabin. Jacques with, Cousteau with in the head. Life preserver. With the split fin. <laughs> the snorkel. <laughs> with the split fin. I, love. I bludgeoned him with a split fin. <laughs> It's like uh, one of those karate moves, (laughs) getting hit twice each time it goes by. Um, Anyway, same magazine, so it's a two-for-one-er. It's a twofer. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you can also uh, check these guys out online at divermag.com. Yeah. Um, It's a a good magazine. It's one of my favorites out there. Oh, yeah, Diver's been around for a while. It's a good one. All right, gang. Well, hey, that was... uh, a couple more weeks of photography, like you guys have been asking. Um, so shut up now. <laughs> not sh- no, not no, shut up and no, shut, no, up shut up and let us crack jokes. <laughs> shut up and take your photography. Uh, next week we're going to get back into uh, exploring the wide world, 
web and some w, finding w, w. some crazy stories out there that have just been oh yeah littering the oh, uh, littering littering out. the news feeds that we that we just got to dig into and I, uh, have I some gotta, fun with i gotta dig into this one though because this is this week and it's current and next week it won't be current but it's it's making it cycle because i remember hearing it on the news right when the news feed came across is the man who uh stuck his willy in the giant clam <laughs> and it bit him i guess and he found out he was allergic to shellfish <laughs> and He's not looking very good. I saw I saw a picture posted on. Uh, it it looked terrible. He was, yeah, he was in Hawaii. Young yes. kid, uh, twenty-two. He, he was cracking not a prank. Young. Cracking a prank with his buddy, and he did the old did the old penis <laughs> in a giant clam <laughs> trick. It's it the oldest not, trick in the book. It did not end well. Ah <sighs> no! Well, looking at that photo of him, he he definitely is allergic to. Uh, shellfish whether he's eating it or it's eating him it's yeah. bad news so yeah so uh what we're gonna do explore more of the the world of news feed scuba stories yes. there's a couple there's been a, if you guys haven't been paying attention there's a couple doozies out there so uh we're gonna we're gonna tear into them and and have a laugh and uh have some fun yeah, yeah. oh jamesy uh what about our diving? The stuff we're going to be doing and and, and are doing. Yeah, yeah, we, we, you and I got a couple fun fun little dives coming up. Should be fun. Yeah, they, yeah. they always start out fun and end in tragedy. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> they start out tragic and end in comedy. Well, we're going to be down in uh, down in uh, Florida, down in uh, Pompano Beach here in a couple of weeks. Kind of get away from uh, this Michigan, this long lingering Michigan winter. And uh, hit some uh, sunshine and uh, some you watch, fun little though. dives. You watch. It'll be 75 when we leave. Oh, That'll yeah. Be, I'm sure it will be. be. And then, um, well, we're, we're going to do our first Great Dive Podcast charter um, up in Munising this year. It's going to be cold, so get your dry suits ready. But but uh, that Father's Day Still weekend. Still June, yeah. Yeah, Father's Day weekend uh, up in Munising, northern Michigan, Lake Superior. We got some spots available. So if you guys are interested in joining us, shoot us an email or a message on Facebook. Fathers, wait, I think wait, wait, we wait, should wait. say something about fathers because uh, Munising is where Father's Day originated. With uh, the the father Al- of Algonquin dives, the first Algonquin <laughs> yes Indian chief. Very good. Started Father's Day, <laughs> chief uh, on the shores <laughs> of, of the Gitchigumi, the big lake they call Gitchigumi. Yeah. So anyway, Father's Day in Munising. I, I love that song by Gordon Lightfoot. Oh, there's a Father's Day. In listen, listen, as listen Rolling while in. If you're interested the in going, is singing. No, 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 no. My that's name. not even. That's not even close. Oh, that, I, I got it confused with uh, our latest hit from the Hellfire Lumens. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like Father's Day on the gate. Gloomy. <laughs> what is? It? Is that a? Old Gordon father, Lightfoot is old a, father's is day a leprechaun. Old Father's <laughs> Day on the old Gitchigumi. I got him a tie and said it was for Good me. <laughs> you could become a rap artist, uh, MC go. Jamesy. So listen, if, you, if you're interested in joining us up in Munising, shoot us a message. Actually, better yet, what, after you're done... Join us. After you're done rating and reviewing us on iTunes... Oh, for <laughs> sake... Go ahead and uh, send us a message. We do have a couple spots available. Um, it, it's going to be um, nothing, nothing too technical. I mean, uh, something that anybody can get up and do. I, I want to say the dives that we've got scheduled up there are basic. 
any world class diver to, could do. Forty to hundred feet, roughly. Is yes, where recreational dives yeah. on wrecks in crystal clear Lake Superior waters. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful waters. So, if you haven't dived uh, Lake Superior, you're in for a treat. Excellent. Well, on that note, let's. It's uh, from the Latin word "treatus superius." On that anyway. note, let's uh, let's log this photo dive, and uh, we'll move on to some uh, more stuff in the in the. Yeah, so here we give me that. Okay, here you go. And let me get get well soon. Love, Sammy. Yeah. All right, take care, guys. Safe diving. Delete this, delete this whole show, actually. Let's start all over. <laughs> <laughs>